Because of your generosity, we get to bless a family this Christmas. Let's do it. That right there is absolutely uh, what it's about. And like Ethan said a few moments ago, uh, we don't just value generosity, uh, but, but we are so thankful for the opportunity uh, to be able to practice that generosity. And the reason why we're able to, we are able to practice that generosity uh, is because of your generosity. So thank you so much uh, for how generous you are uh, as a church. I was having a conversation, a couple conversations uh, just this past week, just bragging on our church, our nine month and a half maybe uh, old church and just how generous it is. And so not only were, were we able to uh, provide Christmas uh, for this family yesterday, uh, but it was, it was very special considering too uh, the hurt that this family has endured. Um, uh, Miss Joyce had lost her husband last uh, December and uh, his, his service was actually on Christmas Eve. So needless to say, uh, Christmas didn't happen last year, and it was trending the same way uh, this year. And so because of your generosity, we were able to step in and provide gen um, Christmas for them. So I don't know about you, but I think that's a good, another good place to clap. And it was so cool. They were so uh, excited, and I was asking uh, later, like, how did it go? And they was like, oh, they just kept thanking us and thanking us. Miss jo Joyce was so excited. And then she's like, look, I need a picture with y'all, and before y'all leave, make sure y'all put that over there under the tree. And put it right now. <laughs> and I just love that. But, but, but not only that, uh, even a couple weeks ago uh, through uh, Samaritan Purse, uh, you may have heard of the organization uh, that does work all across the world. Uh, but we were able to partner with them in providing uh, 20 kids overseas uh, with uh, Christmas. And these kids live in some of uh, the most you know, difficult places to reach and have missionaries on the ground uh, that are some places that can't even uh, be named. But because of your generosity as a church, we were able to provide them uh, Christmas gifts and leave a little note uh, with the gifts as well. So, uh, and we talked about this last week, that generosity travels. And so generosity traveled all across this world a couple weeks ago. So thank you so much, church, uh, for your generosity. Uh, that's allowing us to consistently uh, make a difference here in the community because uh, that's our heart and uh, you know one thing that we said from the very beginning is that we're not a uh, another we don't desire to be a church simply here in the city uh, but a church uh, for the city and so thank you so much for allowing us uh, to practice that as often as we get uh, to do well I'm excited and by the way if you are new here thank you so much for coming to hang with us uh, on this Sunday. This is actually a special Sunday. Every Sunday is special, but this is a unique Sunday uh, in the life of our church. It's uh, Bricklayers uh, Sunday, and I'll give more 
uh, information about that uh, here in just a second. But we've been in a uh, collection we call, uh, we speak in collections. You may be familiar with message series or sermon series, uh, but we speak in collections here uh, at the Becoming Church. And over the, This is the fourth week, so over the last number of weeks, uh, we've been in a collection called uh, Bricklayers. It's time uh, to build. And we've been tracking through uh, Nehemiah uh, as he uh, was moved to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So uh, in week one, uh, we discussed how he built, he was able to rebuild, or he, had, he was moved, he had a burden to rebuild the walls. And so building begins with a burden. So here's a question for us to think about, to pray about. Do we have a burden for the city of Huntsville, for the city of Madison and, and the surrounding areas? Because when you have a burden, it's not going to allow you to just sit the same, right? It's not going to allow us to just kind of sit on our salvation and say, hey, I'm good, so I'm good. You understand what I'm saying? But it's for us to, to have a burden, to, to be moved like Jesus was when he looked over and he was moved with compassion. And it's for us to take that same posture uh, as Jesus. And then the second week, we said, you know what? It's great to have a burden to build, but it takes more than just a burden. It takes collaboration. It requires collaboration to build. When you look at Nehemiah uh, specifically in, in chapter 3, you see name after name, family after family of people who came together uh, to rebuild various sections um, of the wall. So it requires uh, collaboration. And burden is nice. Collaboration is great. But also generosity. There's the generosity of building, uh, which is what we discussed uh, last week. That, that generosity or, or, or uh, building can take place at the, at the speed of, of generosity. But not just in terms of giving. How are we generous with our time, generous with our effort? And, and the challenge that we issued last week was find some people to be generous with, with some compliments. And so I hope you found, found that opportunity last week to, to be generous uh, with a compliment. And so uh, today we're going to continue uh, that conversation around this idea, the joy of building, the joy of building, the joy of building. Can somebody say that with me? The joy of building. So we're going to use Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, verses 6 through 10 uh, to track through this morning. And just like, was it last week or a couple weeks ago? You know, Nehemiah has some names. So listen, do not judge me on my, uh, the way I pronounce these names, okay? By that laughter, I'll tell you, I can tell you like, no, we're going to judge. We're going to judge. <clears throat> Nehemiah 8, 6 through 10, you can turn there with me or uh, you can scroll uh, with me as well. But it says this, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. All right, here we go. The Levites, Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbat, Thiah, yeah, Hodiah, Massasiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Paliah. There's a name for you. Instructed, come on. <laughs> Instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day 
is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And then here we go in verse 10. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. And this part you may be familiar with. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, let's pray. Father, God, we're grateful. We're thankful, God, for these moments we share. God, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we get to gather around your word in this way. God, thank you for all the moments, God, that have preceded this moment. Uh, Father, I just pray as we continue to track through this service, uh, God, that uh, you speak, Lord. Uh, God, give us eyes to, to see. Give us ears to hear what it is you're saying. And as we always say, as we often say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. 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 So the walls have been rebuilt. So there's like, man, we were leading up to that. And just like that, you're going to say the walls have been rebuilt. The walls have been rebuilt around Jerusalem. Uh, they're no longer in, in ruins and what was once uh, a place of shame has now been rebuilt uh, to a place of dignity. And so there's a lot of excitement. People have come to get together. Uh, collaboration has taken place. And, and there's something uh, to celebrate. And I think right there, it's a, it's a good place to kind of pause a little bit. Because I think if you and I realize right now in this moment is that we have something to celebrate about. And I know the year, the, the week, the month can look different for many of us, but I want to challenge us to see that we do have something to celebrate about. And there may be, again, there may be some pushback because you may be saying, listen, you don't understand what I've been going through. This has been the, the, the hardest year of my life. This has been the, the, the hardest month of my life. I don't see anything that's worth celebrating. But I want to push right back at you and say, I don't know, maybe some of us need to either be reminded of our track record with God or we need to establish a track record with God. And you may say, what are you talking about? I'm saying about I'm saying this family, no matter what life has looked like, no matter what life has presented, if we pull things back, if we stop, if we pause, if if we take a moment to evaluate the situation we can see that we absolutely do have something to celebrate about. I know things may not have been good. Things may not have been pleasant. But I do know this, that it is not what it could have been. It may have been bad, but listen, it could have been worse. It may have happened how you did not want it to happen, but it could have went a completely different way. And here is what is truth, no matter what you've been walking through, is that God's grace has kept you. How has God's grace kept me when I experienced this? You don't know what was actually around that corner. You don't know what else could have happened. You don't know that when you found out the news, you could have lost your mind, but you didn't lose your mind. You're in your right mind. You're still standing today. It's hard to get up, but you're getting up, but you're pushing through. It is the grace of God that is allowing that. And so if we pause, we can see I got a track record with God. And that track record with God looks like he is faithful. He is good. It doesn't mean that the situation is good. It doesn't mean that the circumstance is good. But it means that he is good. And because of that, I've got something 
to celebrate about. And that's what today is, family. It's a, it's a day of celebration. And, and obviously, I just made a whole big thing about the importance of celebrating. But I don't want to just um, hang on the idea of celebrating. And the reason why is because sometimes celebrating can just be uh, confined to a moment. You get a new job, celebrate. You get a promotion, turn up. Hold on, you need to save the money. Don't turn up yet. <laughs> you know, the kids do something well at school, you know, celebrate. You have a baby, celebrate. They start pooping all over the place, you don't celebrate no more. But, but you get my point. Oftentimes, celebration can be confined to a moment. But family, I, I want us to get past these moments of celebration. And, and, and how can we live in a place that is sustained more than a moment. You know what that is? I want us to live in a place of joy. Because joy is more than a moment. Joy is a mindset. Joy says, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. So I don't care what you throw at me. I don't care how you come at me because I have joy. Are you tracking with me this morning? So today, I want to share... Three thoughts on joy. Three thoughts on joy. And that first thought is this. Joy is a result of your connection. Joy is a result of your connection. You know, family, I want to make the case that it's difficult for a follower of the way of Jesus uh, to, to follow the way of Jesus and not be a joyful person. You say, well, well, well how, how, is, how are you going to make this case? Well, when you say yes to Jesus, when you sur- surrender your life to the lordship of Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit in this moment dwells in you. You know, we talked about this in October. That's the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. And, and, and it's God in you, uh, helping you to live out a Christian life. And then Galatians 5 uh, 22 would tell us, uh, the, the, would show us the fruit of the Spirit, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So hold on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy, right there, joy. So you, you, you follow Jesus, then that means that joy should be reflected, should be revealed in your life, right? Am I off? Right? Like if you follow Jesus, then, then you should live a, 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 a joyful life. Well, then the question is, you know, if, if that's the case, we know, we know some mean Christians. Y'all don't front on me on December 11th, okay? Don't do that. We know some mean Christians. Now, could it be that the reason why some of us struggle with living a joyful life is because we're living insecure lives? I'm sorry. Y'all like, come on, y'all going to do this? We're just talking about joy. But could it be that some of us struggle with living a joyful life is because we live in insecure lives, that the successes of others somehow point to failure of ourselves? And so we, we have lost the ability uh, to celebrate, but we've gained the skill to critique. That, that, that we can never say anything pleasant about someone, but we can find a way to pick it apart. That, that we find it very easy uh, to say what's wrong, 
but very difficult to say what's right. I mean, have you ever been around a person like that? It's like literally everything you bring up, it's like, well, they don't this and they don't that and they can't. Well, but do you know who they know? Well, do you know who you like? Mike, shut up. <laughs> you got to say how you feel it sometimes. Because like you're, you're an energy vampire right now. You're, you're sucking all the life out of this place right now. But people struggle like that, I think, because they don't know how to honor. And so how do you, how do you fix that? How do, how do we deal with that? We've got we to become people of honor. Look at 1 Peter 2.17. It says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So let's look at this. Show proper respect to the people you agree with. No, it says proper respect to everyone. Show proper respect, even family, to the people who voted. For, for, for the elephant. Show, show, show proper respect for people who voted for the, for the donkey. Show, show, show proper respect and honor. If they have a MAGA hat, if they have, I don't, I don't know. So if you know it, just think that. <laughs> Show proper respect to everyone. So that means people you are going, the people of God are called to do that. Doesn't matter who the person voted for. Doesn't matter what they agree with, you still show proper respect to everyone. We can respect and honor people without agreeing with people. And respecting them and honor them isn't signing up with what they agree with, but it's looking at scripture that says, show proper respect to everyone. And, and, and love, we can throw that scripture back up, and love the family of believers. So that means your brothers and sisters in the Lord who come from a different theological perspective over these non-essential things, right? That you can still show proper respect and honor. I would never understand it when, when, when Christians and pastors and leaders will, will get on public platforms and literally just bash other churches, because then we're just, the work is just being done, and folks are like, why would I go connect with that? Y'all crazy over there. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, some, there's heresy, heretical things going on. Like, that's different, but there is a, a proper way in Matthew that lays it out for how we handle these moments of disagreeing disagree, moments. There we go. Fear God, right? Respect and honor for God. How many of us have lost the fear of God. I'm not talking about this, you know, this idea of like, you know, we're afraid, but I'm talking about a, a reverence and honor of being in awe for him. And, and I can look at my own life of, of things where once I'm like, man, I would have never considered, you know, even watching this or doing that or whatever. And now I find it easy to do because sometimes culture can creep in and begin to literally just deteriorate at that honor, at that place. And we allow other, even other people to, to say, well, you know, oh, man, you, 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 too, man, you too churchy. You know, this day and age, there may not be a problem with being too churchy. Are you tracking with me? 
honor the emperor. You said the who? Honor authority. The president, the governor, um, um, Congress people, your supervisor, those people that God have placed in authority over you, over us. And sometimes we're like, man, this, this is like, there's no favor on my life. It's like, where's the honor? Pray for your supervisor. Pray for the president. Pray for the Congress people, right? We got to be people of honor. And here's the thing. Joy and honor are connected. You can't separate the two. Because if you think about it, people, some of the most joyful people you probably know are probably really great at honoring folks. They're, they're connected. And look at what Paul uh, says in Philippians 2, 29. He says this, so then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor. So he's sending, I believe it's Timothy and Epaphroditus, I believe, that name helped me with it. But I believe he's sending them because Paul's writing this letter and he's sending them to the church and he's telling them how to greet him. And he says, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor. So we got to become people of honor. Here's the second thing. Joy, a second thought on joy. Here's the second one. Joy isn't determined by the circumstance. Joy isn't determined by the circumstance. You know, uh, there's this misconception out there uh, that Jesus wants to make us happy. And, and family, I don't, I don't mean to burst your bubble today, but Jesus doesn't want to make us happy. He wants to make us holy. Now, you may hear that and say, well, man, what kind of Savior doesn't want to make us happy? <laughs> but see, I think the, the, the truth in the statement is understanding uh, the difference between happiness and joy. See, happiness is determined by what is happening in the moment. So you feel good in the moment, you're happy. You just got the news of that promotion, uh, you're happy. Your, your, your kids finally listened and obeyed, you're, you're, you're happy because it, it was confined, it was determined by that moment. But see, joy is gladness despite the moment when your kids don't obey, when you got passed up, passed over for the promotion. Joy is gladness, like no matter what. Well, then, God, I guess that wasn't for me. And that means you got something else for me. God, that was actually protection. Lord, that was actually redirection. So Jesus is not concerned about making us happy. He's concerned about making us holy. And, and we find the truth in that statement when we understand the difference between happiness and joy. So here's a question. How many of us desire a happy life instead of a joyful life? How many of us have, have been desiring to live a happy life instead of a joyful life? And could that be uh, the source of some of our anxiety or the pressure that we feel? It's because we're, we're, we're reaching for happiness rather than going for joy. Consider the Apostle Paul. He was a great example of this, of what it means to live a joyful life. So this, this letter, Philippians, he's writing it locked up. But it's known as the book of joy. So many times throughout uh, Philippians, you see the word rejoice, uh, uh, joy or rejoice. In fact, in Philippians 4.8, he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. This is how I read it. Rejoice in the Lord always. You hear what I'm saying to you? Always. Seems like y'all hard to hear. I'll say it again. Listen, rejoice. <laughs> this is just how I envision, you know, Paul when he was penning his letter. 
But listen, family, you live a life not controlled by the circumstances when you draw strength from the right source. So very clearly, Paul's writing a book that's known as the book of joy while he's in chains. It's really an an expression that he wasn't controlled by the circumstances. But Nehemiah 8.10 was really true for Paul. He was pulling from the right source. And it says this, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Family, could it be that the joy, that joy is difficult because we're drawing from the wrong source? Could we be having a, a difficult time living joyful lives because we, we, we have, we're expecting sources, other sources outside of the Lord to give us something that they were never designed to give us? And listen, family, I'm talking about relationships. It's, it's, it's cool. Your, your A1s for day ones, they, they can't do it for you. I'm talking about your spouse. As much as y'all love each other, they're not the source to make this happen. Your career, as fast-tracked as you are, as well as it pays, as awesome as it is, it's not the thing, family, that's going to give you joy. Could we, could we have been living for the opinions of others? And the moment somebody celebrates us, we post a picture, instant gratification comes, we love it. But then the moment the cheers turn to booze, do we find difficulty in that moment? Or what about money? The money's not as long as it used to be because of inflation. And I don't do much grocery shopping at the house because I buy all the wrong things primarily, so it's really protection for the family. (laughs) But the other day I had to go buy eggs. And I I was looking for somebody at Publix because I was like, the sticker is wrong. (laughs) It says $6.30 for $12. Eggs. I said, no, it was 209 last time I bought eggs. I said, excuse me, sir, but the, the price of the eggs is wrong. <laughs> so what happens when the money changes? It, it's not the source of joy. Here's the point, family. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And here's the third and final thought. Joy embraces the process. You know, rebuilding the walls, it was a process. It, it, it didn't just happen. Now, there was a lot of things that they had to face. There was some opposition that they had to overcome. Some of you, you, you know, well, I was excited about that word just then. Uh, but there was, some, <laughs> there was some opposition all week. I was like, I'm going to say it right. And that was my moment. <laughs> Okay, now i got to fill everybody in. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about the opposition that Nehemiah faced when they were rebuilding the wall. And for whatever reason, I decided to pronounce the word opposition. And I said it like 30 times. And I felt it was wrong while I was saying it. But in the moment, I, I didn't know. I, I just couldn't address it. And then at lunch, Katie was like, what word were you saying? I was like, I knew something was off. Later, I rewatched it. I'm like, why did I say that? Last week, you know, I admitted it to everybody. And so I guess it continues today. But... <laughs> Rebuilding the walls, it was a process, right? There was opposition. Uh, then it was just the grind of, of building. It was all a process. And family, this is much like our lives. Our lives is a process. You know, you, we, we can't quit in the process. We, we can't give up in the process. We, we can't, what we can't do is despise the process but dream of the future, 
to where we're sitting there and we're looking like, yeah, I, I see us doing this one day. I, I see me doing that. I see this. I see that. But all while we're like, mm, I'm not going to do that, though. But it's still going to happen. Newsflash. It's not going to happen. <laughs> because you'll never walk in the vision of tomorrow by ignoring the process of today. It starts today. Everybody loves what I call these major moments, right? Like you, you, you graduate. That's a major moment. Uh, you, 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 you get married. That's a major moment. You have a kid, and, and you get, you know, you get the, the big promotion. All, you know, whatever. All these are major moments. But a lot of times we live for the major moments, but we despise the minor moments. But family, absent of the minor moments, you'll never have the major moments. You had to show up to class, you had to get the grades, you had to turn in the papers and all that stuff to ultimately graduate. Minor moments that produce the major moment. You know, you had to, you had, you had to find a girl, she had to actually like you, um, and then decide to go out on a date, and then another date, and ultimately she had to say yes to the proposal, and then there was the wedding day. Major moment, but it started with a minor moment. So then the thinking might be, that minor moments are actually major moments because outside of the minor moments, you'll never take hold of the major ones. Are you tracking with me? So what does that mean? We can't despise the process. It's like a cake. Y'all like cake? Yeah. I like cake. <laughs> I don't even know if these are all the ingredients for cake, but for illustration purposes, it's going to be. But I like cake. And so, you know, I guess you put a little bit of this in here. I don't, I don't even know what cake mix. You put a little cake mix in there. Y'all didn't know cooking with Michael. Y'all didn't know? <laughs> and then, you know, you got. That's $4. That is $4 worth of eggs. <laughs> you got some eggs. And then, you know, you need a little butter in there. Need a little butter in there. I forgot lotion, so it's helping me right now. <laughs> and then you gotta, you know, you need a little milk. Because, you know, you want a cake, but a cake doesn't just appear. So it's like God calls you to something, but it, it just doesn't happen. It's, it's, it's a process. We can't despise the process because the process produces something. The process leads you to purpose, right? To walking in purpose. So it's, it's going to be a grind. You got to check your whip game, see if it's proper, like <laughs> all this. You got to see what, what, you know, it's a grind. It looks like a mess. People are laughing at you. <laughs> you should have went the other route. I don't know who told you you can be all you can be, but they got the wrong idea. I don't think so, right? All these different things. And so you mix in, you grind in all this stuff, and people just, but if you quit, there's no cake. So what you got to do, you, you, you got to keep, you got to keep mixing until till one day, or one moment, hopefully it don't take a day, but one moment. <laughs> what do you get, family? You get, a, you, you. You, you get a cake. We have, we have cake. What is the point? The point that I'm making, family, is the person that God has called you to become 
this church that God has called it to become. It is a process. And Micah, if you'll come, if you guys will come, we can't despise the process. That's why I love Philippians 1.6 that says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Meaning what, family? Don't give up in the process. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Let them laugh. Let them talk about you. Let them discourage you. Because you're, you're, you're building something to last. You know, we say this. We're not here to be an overnight success. We're here to have significance over time. We're here for the slow grind. We're here, to, we're here to play the long game. We sang that song about generations and generations, family. This, the becoming churches for generations and generations far past me, far past us in this room, but for people who are not even born yet. But you know how that starts? It starts right now. It starts today. It starts with seeing the joy of building. Seeing the joy in the grind, the joy in the work, the joy in the labor, the joy in all things that God is calling us to in a moment. We can't just look for major moments and dismiss the minor moments. You know, hey, I had a brick over there or down there. I meant to thank you. I'll let you keep this part. You know, we're, we're, we're bricklayers. And for the record, I'm not, it's fake. It's not, I haven't been to the gym like that. It's, it's fake. <laughs> if I throw, you know, you can catch it, it won't hurt. But the heart of the Becoming Church isn't to, to, to build a big church. It's not. The heart of the Becoming Church is to build big people. You may say, what does that mean? It means this, people who love, live, and look like Jesus. Because family, if 20,000 people are in this place, but they're not actively, consistently dying daily to follow Jesus, then what good is it for? But you give me 50 people who are committed to following the way of Jesus Listen, we'll go turn things upside down across this city. Man, people will be encountering hope. People will discover freedom and walk in purpose and healing and deliverance and walk into all the things that God has called them. So listen, we're not trying to build a big church. Please don't confuse us with that. But we are about building big people. And it happens brick by brick. We don't just arrive just doesn't magically appear but it happens brick by brick you know we've been in a series called bricklayers it's time to build but at the same time it's also been connected uh, to what we call our bricklayers offering this is the first year that we're doing it but it'll be an annual offering uh, that we'll have a chance to receive every year and what is the bricklayers offering for it's 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 above and beyond our normal tithes and offering. It's an offering that is specifically set aside to accelerate uh, the vision of the Becoming Church 
in years to come, the offering may be literally geared towards a, a, a certain project, whether that's a, a building, uh, a permanent building for the Becoming Church or some other type of project. But it will hit these lanes that we call bricks, local expansion, uh, national uh, outreach and evangelism, uh, world missions uh, and discipleship. And so when we come together in this offering, it, we're coming together to accelerate that vision. And so we, we often say we don't determine the vision, but we do determine the pace of the vision. Now listen, if this is your first time here, listen, there's no expectation on you whatsoever. And I guess in the same way, uh, I think this is the 42nd Sunday, there's still no expectation on you forever uh, at all. And, and, and why do I say that? It's what Paul says in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 9. You give what you have decided in your heart. And he also talks about how the Lord loves a cheerful giver, not one out of compulsion or reluctancy or, or any type of manipulation. So please, anyone under the sound of my voice, don't think that you have to participate in bricklayers uh, whatsoever. But also what Paul was also doing in that letter to the Corinthian church he was moving them to generosity to help the church in Jerusalem. And what he was doing a little bit was, was almost like what a, what a trainer would do to an athlete in, in, in pregame and stretching. He'd lean on them a little bit and stretch them a little bit. And so we haven't even talked about this offering that much um, over the last four weeks. But I hope a little bit that we've kind of leaned on you a little bit to stretch you and your faith to see what God would do through you. And I get it. Sometimes people hear money and giving and all that talked about in church and people get tense and I get it. But you can go back to last week's message and you can hear on how uh, we feel and how we view uh, these moments. I'm a hundred percent honest when I'm telling you. Please don't give out of compulsion or reluctancy. I don't think we're trying to scheme you into that. Not at all. First of all, I got an answer to that. So that's really nothing to do with you, but with me. And I hold that uh, very close and, and very seriously. But the Lord does call us to these moments and we see it all throughout scripture, whether it was Moses uh, building the tabernacle or if it was David raising funds uh, for the temple or what Paul is doing was doing in 2 Corinthians. But here's the question. If the question is, why are we bricklayers? Why are we laying bricks? We're bricklayers because we're building a legacy for those behind us. So there may be things in the life of this church that some of us may never experience, but the people behind us will. We're, we're always thinking about the next generation. I, I, I love that our church is multi-generational. There's all kinds of generations uh, represented here. And my prayer is that that maintains forever. But we can see some people who did this. Abraham, he left his family to start a family of faith. And because he laid a brick of faith, we, you and I, are in the household of faith today. So his brick, with his brick, he left a legacy. You can look at Peter. He dropped his net and he began to follow Jesus and ultimately became the first leader of the New Testament church. 
It's this church that we're part of today. Peter's brick left a legacy. You can look at Paul. He left fame, essentially. He was a famous Old Testament uh, teacher. He called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. And through his encounter with the Lord, he now began what he was once trying to tear down. He began building up. And because of him, we have most of our New Testament letters. We have books like Romans that is full of, of so much doctrine and theology. Paul left fame. He laid a brick and he left a legacy. And then there's Jesus. He wasn't just the brick, but he was the chief cornerstone. <laughs> that the place that we're trying to get to, he left to come to us so that we can get there. That because of what he did, his sacrifice, he reconciled us back to the Lord. Jesus left a legacy. So my point in all this is that we're building a legacy for those that are behind us. I'm going to invite Katie to come up on the stage with me. That's my wife, for those who don't know. Y'all give it up for her. Do we have a, do we have a mic? We'll give it back, I promise. Oh, you got one? Thank you. You know, we will never, as a couple, um, ask the church to participate in something uh, that, that, we'll, that, 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 that we're not doing. We're going to do it as well for asking the church. You know, yesterday, yesterday we got to do that. Or last night, I guess. But in the same way, as, as a church organization, if you will, we're not going to ask the church to participate in something that the church organization is not going to participate in. And so in this moment, we thought it'd be great to, to practice uh, generosity. So uh, I want to I call Solomon. Where, where are you at, Solomon? Seven, will you come on up here? Y'all give it up for Solomon. Now, Solomon has no clue <laughs> what's going on other than he got a text at some point, I'm guessing yesterday or two days ago. Like, hey, you going to be there Sunday? Uh, yeah, cool. Okay, cool. Pastor Mike and Katie, I want to uh, call you up on stage for something. That was it. So he has no idea what's happening. So this is not something that, you know, we had a conversation about or he has absolutely no idea what's, you know, he has no insight whatsoever. Uh, but we thought that it would be great to, to practice generosity in this moment. Let me tell you a little bit about Solomon. Like, this guy's a stand-up guy. And he's on our serve team. And he serves well. He serves with excellence. Uh, he shows up Sunday morning with the mindset to get it done. And listen, he yes. gets it done. And he gets it done in changing environments where, well, I thought y'all said this, but he don't even question it. He just says, okay, cool. Let's switch it up. Let's do it. And he gets it done. And sometimes we can think that that is normal, but it's not always normal. I am thankful that it's more normal here at the Becoming Church for sure. Thank God for the team that we have. But, but Sol Solomon 
is, is an amazing father. He's a hard worker, and he just flat out gets it done. And so, um, Katie, wanna, you want to present this? Yes, so we wanted to present you a check for $1,000 just for who you are and what you do. That's it. Yep. That's it. That's it. <laughs> we appreciate you, man. <laughs> love you, man. We all give it up for Solomon one more time. Thank you, love. <laughs> and like I said before, there was like no application, no nothing of, of anything. It's just Solomon, his character, who he is, it speaks uh, for, for himself. And as a church, we wanted to be able to to model that and practice that. We don't just value it, but we want to practice uh, generosity. And so uh, here's what we're going to do. You have uh, these cards um, here, these bricklayers uh, offering. And, and on the back, it has ways to give. And so in this moment, uh, we're going to give, continue worship through giving. And so it's a chance to, to if you give in person, to give your, your normal tithes and offering. Uh, but as well as above and beyond through bricklayers. And if you flip this card over on the back, you can see the, the various ways to give. And if you do give towards bricklayers uh, uh, via text, uh, you can choose a text and amount plus bricklayers, and you've you got the information on the back here. And there's three boxes that you can check. I've already given online like Katie and I did uh, last night. I'm giving today in person, or I plan to give on a later day. And listen, I mean, there's, there's no place for a name. You know, no one's keeping record of any of this stuff. And, 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 and if you came prepared to give, uh, what we're going to do here in a moment, the band is going to lead us in a song of worship. And so I'll, I'll um, as you're ready, I'll invite all of us to stand as you're ready. And then what we're going to do symbolically, it means nothing. It's just symbolically. Now you can take this card, or if you're giving in person as well, and you can make your way out in the aisle on both sides, and you'll see giving uh, boxes uh, to on the ends of each aisle right in the center. 